0: Welcome to Pull'em Weeds, a podcast of the Carolina's GCSA. We'd like to remind you that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of those of the people on the podcast and do not reflect the views of the Carolina's Golf Course Superintendents Association or any of its sponsors. Welcome back, Pulling Weeds, Ori we Georgetown Technical College sessions. We got a special guest here I with us now, water, Mr. Nick Blaylock. Baylock, Baylock. I've already botched it up, Tim.
1: It's okay. We can edit it or we can run with it. I think the best thing is, is it's Baylock because you had me screwed up the other day.
0: You know my pronunciation is sometimes subpar. It's all right. I just got, I'm glad I got the spelling right. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're glad to have you. Um, I think we have ascertained that you're probably one of the younger guests we've ever had on the show.
1: Age is irrelevant when it comes to skill sets, and I think we're going to learn
0: that today. Yes, we are. You're in for a treat today, Tim. I'm looking forward to it. So are the listeners. It. I'm looking forward to it. So, this gentleman here has uh, been making his way around the Carolinas selling some, um, or offering some services that um, are technology-based, wouldn't you say, Nick? That's, Absolutely. And uh, we're going to give him an opportunity here to um, let our listeners and the local um, people here in the Carolinas and across the country know about what he's doing and what he offers. He's so. had a booth at the
1: show last November, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. Nice. I don't remember which one, but yeah, it was uh, towards the back.
1: Uh, yeah i wouldn't ask you the booth number either i don't remember them all we have a couple hundred each year did you um you enjoy coming down to the beach and
2: absolutely it's you know i I always love being at the beach you know especially you know being around you know the i I like being around people that like have the similar interests as me yeah um you know down to earth people um you know just getting out and doing things
1: nice so um from what I understand, and we're going to get into the business side of it here in a little bit, we've got some some common friends that I think have helped give you a kickstart along the way. Um, B A S Aerial Services is the name of your company. Is that
2: correct? Correct. So I've been starting to go by B A S Turf. Okay. Um, you know, just because I'm integrating, you know, more of the ground to air stuff. I mean, it's just a better fit for the product. For okay. The service.
1: Well, that's what I'm getting at. Ground to air. We're not talking about surface missiles, right? I no, grew up, not yet. Okay, because I grew up in the military, so that's that's what I think of. But um, we're
2: talking about drone aerial services, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, for golf courses? Correct. Yeah, so it's multispectral. So imagine taking your phone camera and breaking it down to about six or seven different light spectrums. So okay. you got red, green, blue, yellow, then infrared, red edge, and thermal. You're breaking that down into the... Uh, chlorophyll, something called NDVI, NDRE, moisture temperature content, Um, and, you know, breaking down into showing superintendents their data before they can see anything with the naked eye. Okay.
1: So you're, you're able to capture that from a digital perspective using technology.
2: Absolutely. And showing to them in a visual input that's readable.
1: And so this is for drought? This is for turf management? Like, what are the different levels of reasons they'd need this information
2: there's multitudes so you know a lot of it is preventative um you know it can come from the standpoint of hey you know just to make sure everything's in check before you know either a competition or just season long just the stress of it um you know bringing that into you know hey you know i just want to know things before i can physically see anything um you know that way i can make decisions before anything actually does happen so their their turf can stay greener forever did for you grow up playing golf i've swing a golf club but that's about it
1: how do you go from this, this technological side? How do you get into golf? Like, when does it say, okay, I got I to take my level of expertise here?
2: So I've always loved drones. Um, I started out doing real estate stuff in the drone world, um, you know, and then it sort of moved into, you know, the science aspect of it. Um, you know, then I learned about, you know, the golf course application, um, and then things sort of just moved from there. Um, you know, it's sort of just been a, it's, it's been a long journey. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot longer. Um, it's going to last a lot longer, but it's something that, you know, we'll be able to, it will be able to s- succeed and go further than just the Carolinas, hopefully. Sure, sure. What
1: kind of education do you have that's going to lend credibility to this business or this so service?
2: I graduated high school uh, about four months ago. Okay. Um, I graduated with my associates in science. Um, and so, you know, not much turf grass wise, um, you know, science wise, that's where my knowledge comes from. And also the, like focusing on those light spectrums and everything, that's where, um, I truly understand.
1: It's just amazing to me to go into golf and, and I I guess you've figured out that, that golf course superintendents aren't just run of the mill, you know, I dare say mow and blow type operations, but there is an actual science that goes into it.
2: And that's something I learned very quickly.
1: Yeah. So, who are some of the first guys that you that you worked with?
2: Uh, so, it's sort of funny. Um, you know, I started to work. I approached Ron Kelly at Country Club, North Carolina, originally. Um, and, you know, I sat down with him. Um, you know, he said he loved it. Let's, you know, let's start there. Um, so, hold on. How do you meet Ron? My grandparents. So, my grandparents live in Pinehurst. Okay. Um, and they said, yeah, you know, they, they have a really big budget. You know, just go approach him out of the blue. So I looked up, you know, Country Club, North Carolina, superintendent. And, you know, there he was. I found his phone number through a couple different resources. Um, and then, you know, things just sort of went from there. That's awesome. This That's guy awesome. is
0: resourceful, Tim. Well, no, and it's good that I can that find just super... about
2: anything in anybody, so... Well,
0: no,
1: and the, it's good that the, the superintendent was receptive to that as well. Yeah. Right? Because what you're talking about is, is somewhat new technology.
2: Absolutely. So the technology has been around for a little while. It's just a matter of the software company has found a way to make that disconnection or to break that disconnection from the data to the superintendent, you know, being able to read it in a readable format. That's where they're starting. To, that's where they're breaking things up and making it readable and more actionable. Instead of just, Oh, you got a problem here. It's saying, Oh, you got, you know, your moisture's low here and, you know, bringing moisture sensors into that and saying, Hey, look, you know, your moisture level is, you know, below where it should be for your par for the course. If that makes sense.
1: It, well, yeah, completely. So soil sensor, you mentioned there. So it's not just the
2: drone technology. Then there's something nope. embedded in the ground Absolutely. that you're doing as well. So it's something a product called Soil Scout. Um, they're produced and made in Finland. Um, you know, it's where they're based out of. Um, you know, they're just starting to break into the U.S. market, um, and it's something that you know a lot of sub air courses do have that um, if it's 2016 or later. Okay. Um, and so everything, you know, they don't publicly say, "Hey, you know, this is you know, if you get sub air, you get Soil Scout." It's say it's the, "Hey, you know, this is the automation side of what um, you know, that's where, you know, for the courses that don't have sub air, um, you know, that's where I come in because, okay. you know, it's saving time, saving money and saving labor. Um, especially with the shortages and everything going on right now. It's just, it's a quick, easy fix.
1: So, um, here's my ignorance coming in. Let's say that you've got a course like down here, the Grand Dunes Resort, for instance, I think the green average is 7,500 square feet. It's, they're tremendously huge. Greens putting surfaces. Um, In fact, I distinctly remember the second time I played there, the first time I think I hit 16 greens and shot 84. And the second time I distinctly remember not hitting greens and chipping and putting, hitting like three greens and breaking 80, just so I didn't have to three, four putt as many times. The point is with that, large green like that, does that need multiple sensors?
2: Yeah, so it's not just one sensor per green. Um, you know, usually superintendents that have been at the course for a little while know their, you know, hot spots, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, and they're able to say, hey, look, you know, this is usually our drier spot, water spot in between. The way it usually goes about things is give me the good, bad, the ugly for each individual green. Um, and then from there, they're able to usually point out, hey, you got a high spot there, dry spot there. And, you know, we usually have, you know, a problem with this over here. Um, and so usually it's anywhere from about three to four sensors per green that go in. Um, you know, that cost isn't terrible either. Um, you know, it's pretty affordable for most courses. Interesting.
1: And then once you've got the soil sensors in there, then I'm assuming you just do like an aerial overlay.
2: Correct. So it can be that, or there's just a user platform. Um, Jim has actually seen, he had it here for a little while. Um, you know, he's seen it. Um, it's something that it's it gives you the hard numbers. It's not, you're not getting run runaround about locations or rough averages. It's giving you the hard numbers every 30 minutes to an hour. Or it, every 90 seconds. Or every 90 seconds too.
0: Yeah, Nick was gracious enough to come down here and install the soil sensors in our turf care center and let us just play with them and share them with the students and look at the data and kind of expose the students to uh, what he's trying to do, which was really cool.
1: I'm assuming they got to be at a certain depth to avoid airification and things of that nature. Yeah, so
2: usually it's about that root zone. Um, The cool part about them, there's a component in there with a metal detector and it's a special metal detector, so it only goes off on the Soil Scout unit itself, nothing else. Um, there's a little chip in there combined with some other minerals in there that won't go off unless it's that very specific thing.
1: So our boys from uh, Oak Island aren't going to find this thing with their (laughs) detector, I'm guessing.
0: No? Actually, speaking of metal detectors, you have a specialized metal detector to find them after they've been in the ground for a long period of time. It only... Explain that, Nick.
2: Yeah, so it's just, it, there's a couple different reasons for it. Um, those sensors are gold plated. Uh, and it's a very small amount of gold, except it's just enough gold to make those sensors go off. And so you're able to set the, this metal detector where it only shows off on gold. And so, you know, being able to do that, you know, it will pick up on the. It, there's just enough gold in there to say, hey, look, this is enough to set it off. Um, and so, using that, and th- there's a couple other technologies in there um, that make it to where it's, it will only locate these if it's set to the right setting. Um, and it's, it's easy to find, you know, if, if you know the rough location, um, you know, thankfully on the cloud, there is an exact GPS location for them. Um, you know, it's just the hard part of going out and finding that exact GPS location. That's where the metal detector comes in. So you, your
1: interest growing up was what? Computers? Computers. Coding?
2: Out, being outside. Um, you know, so I have... Uh, how do, you, how do you, Wait. <laughs>
1: computers and outside. Not the same sentence. Explain this to me.
2: So I grew up in Michigan. Okay. Um, Rand Lake, Michigan. And so, you know, I've always loved being outdoors. You know, we had four or five acres up there. Wonderful. Um, and, you know, it's just something that, you know, they. Uh, we came down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and, you know, it's just something that, you know, I've always loved being outside, um, you know, doing whatever I can outside. And then, you know, just combining that with, you know, the computer side of things, is you know, it's bringing these two worlds together.
1: How are your allergies treating you down south compared to up north?
2: Absolutely terrible. Yeah.
1: No fun, is it? That's
2: what – I have a noseband on. That's what that's for. Yeah,
1: no, I, I figured as much, man. I figured the – The poor guy got into the pine pollen down here and just not having any fun for the last probably six, eight weeks?
2: Yeah, about. I'm also allergic to mold, a whole thing, a whole slew of things, but yeah.
1: No fun, no fun. Hopefully we grow out of some of those. I think I failed every one of those little pricks they put on my back for the allergen test growing up, man. No fun, no bueno.
0: So you mentioned earlier about real estate was kind of where you started Started in – using drones to kind of start a business, right? Yep. Uh, talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so I started out using drones, um, you know, when I was 14. Um, you know, to get your pilot's license, you have to be 16. So I had my mom my mom get her pilot's license. And then, you know, at one time I was working for a large number of real estate agents. Um, and then, you know, I learned about the opportunity with golf um, and the, you know, the golf course management side of things. And things just sort of took that turn from there. Um, you know, I still get calls on a daily basis Ask real estate agents asking me to come do things for them. Um, but, you know, I'm sort of turning my attention right now personally to golf. Right.
0: So there's a there's a void out there for uh, r- real estate agents need people that are good drone pilots to take photographs of their properties, right?
2: Th- that's the problem is that there is a large, a vast number of pilots, drone pilots, certified drone pilots, part 107. Um, there's a vast number of them. The hard part is, is competing because it's it's their part-time side gig that they charge 50 bucks to come out, and you know they'll spend three, four hours doing that. It's not worth it for me to compete with them if I can go make a lot more money working for golf courses.
0: No, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about for um, Tim and I both have uh, kids that need to make money, so that oh, yeah. might be something they can get oh, yeah. into, right? Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That's what you told me one time that I should tell my son to do that, huh?
2: Yeah. It's, it, it, just making those connections is you'll go very far from there. Um you know I reached out to a real estate agent um lo and behold he was he used to live about 5 miles from me up in Michigan um moved down about 12 10 miles away from me uh in Charlotte. Um you know he used to he was a uh, youth entrepreneur leader at a local university um and you know so he sort of helped me with that I mean, just going the business side of things to where you know I don't really have much experience.
1: That's awesome. Good for you man. So wh- wh- where the the fascination with flying come from?
2: It's always been I I grew up flying. Um, You know, it's just something that, you know, I've always loved doing. Um, You know, it's just, it's taking that and putting it into a more economical side of things where, you know, I can make money working for myself. Um, And that's where that comes into play.
1: So that's the goal someday is to have a plane, a fleet?
2: A fleet, yes. That's the best way to say it. You have a fleet of drones right now, don't you? A large one, very, yes. Getting Uh, larger? by, By the week at this point. You know, I got right now... 18 different drones, um, you know, I'm working with companies right now, um, you know, building some and developing some right now in Texas, um, and, you know, just building that specifically for agriculture, um, you know, I unfortunately can't say much about it, um, but, you know, it's just something that, you know, a couple of years, about a year down the road, there will be something huge coming up in the U.S. market. Um, so,
1: so, I hunt a lot out in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and typically, because we hunt on, farmer's land we, we have conversations about advances in technology and Absolutely. it seems to me i'm always seeing something out there before i see it in turf obviously mm-hmm. with the ag and the r&d and, and what can go into it and the amount of money that they have and so um i've seen some i think you posted one the other day but some some non-successful and i'm sure there have been some successful um drone spraying operations that, that are going on um and if you can't get into it I understand but I would assume that one of the challenges is with weight size and it, not only that but equal distribution obviously from the height but um you think we'll see it to the point where farmers will be able to aerial apply applications there just as efficiently as
2: So what I'm working on right now is you know there's cop dusters. Um, you know, there are still tractors that can spray a lot larger uh, quantities. Um, you know, the drone stuff is coming in for the specialty crops, um, you know, for the stuff that, you know, it, not corn, wheat, soybeans, whatever. That That's the large and somewhat profitable, but, you know, get into the sorghum, the hemp, uh, the marijuana, some tobacco stuff, you know, the higher yield stuff, the higher um it costs more per bushel to buy. Um, you know that's where this stuff can come start getting in because it's, it's specialty application. It's not just a generic one spray fits all type thing.
1: And for different topographies where some Absolutely. of those products are grown, you can't just run traditional tractors. Absolutely. You know, especially I'm dealing, in vertical slopes. We're dealing with, the course,
2: like in the mountains right now in North Carolina, um, and they're you know they have a they have a hard time with their slopes. Um, you know because they're in a valley, and so they can't get up. They can't get spraying on their side in their valleys for their. Uh, like on their valley walls um, and so you know that's where I'm working on a solution right now is to become help go help them sort of it's bring it by hand I can split it by drone um, you know there's drones out there that range from about 10 feet wide to 23 feet wide um, you know some of them carry 10 liters some of them carry 100 gallon drones wow um, and you know, that's some of some of the stuff I'm working on right now
1: and so then you'll even be able to match up for instance GPS or topo maps or whatever it would be so
2: that's been done for about five years
1: well um, when let's say you're on a slope you know, and you got one side higher than the other. Obviously, you can't spray at a consistent rate coming out. Absolutely. Products won't, so, I mean, they can, what's the right word? Calibrate to
2: Adjust spray their, their a certain. Flow. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, that's something, you know, that that's one of the drone manufacturing side. Um, you know, it's something that, obviously, you know, I do have a small input on, but it's something, you know, that bring prescription, you know, prescription mapping into that. That's where that comes in. Okay. Um, and, you know, being able to calibrate, you know, hey, you know, based off of something called a KML file, which is essentially it's a glorified drone path. Um, and, you know, being able to look at it in a 3D space instead of just a 2D space.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So what, how long have you been flying?
2: Uh, I've been flying drones since I was about 10 years old.
1: Um, I mean, you. Do you have your pilot's
2: license? I do. A couple uh, years? Yep. So I've been flying since I was about 13, commerci- or not commercially, um, as a private pilot. Um, you know, I got my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. Wonderful. Um, so, you know, it's just something that, you know, it's still, you know, I'm still learning every day, still getting more accreditations. Um, but it's just something that, you know, it's still a work in progress.
1: Do you fly yourself from the, to the beach for instance? Absolutely. I'll so. fly anywhere I want when I want. Nice. You have a plane?
2: Yep. Just so, one? Uh, family has two. I have one. Um, it's, uh, I was going to fly down here today actually, except I, I need, waiting for a new prop to come in. Um, but you know, that's something that, you know, it's still a work in progress, as I said, um, you know, it's, it's a cool plane. It's called a Skoda Tobago. Okay. Um, but you know, it's just, there's, I'm waiting on a new prop for it right now. So
0: is the current prop damaged or you just want a different prop?
2: Uh, technically it's damaged. So it's a, uh, it's called an auto feather, feather feathering prop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then see it, it adjusts your prop angle accordingly to your speed and your altitude and everything. Um, and so one of the hydraulic lines needs to get fixed. And so, you know, it was time to, It was time to do an engine overhaul, anyways, and so we did that. Except, you know, then we found the prop was uh, damaged, so just time to get a new one. Interesting pilot
0: problems. Not aware of them. Never had them.
2: They're custom made. I think out in California or somewhere. So,
0: um. I love aviation. I'm not a pilot myself, obviously, but my dad was growing up, and mine too. Yep, he used to have a Piper Cherokee. Okay, and uh, um. But I, I always have enjoyed flying, and uh, I hate it. I, I, I would go up with you, Nick, if you'd ever. I'll had take me. you up, absolutely. Yep, I would. That would be fun.
2: Absolutely. Yep, I'll come down here sometime. And
0: yep. Do it. What's the, um, what's the farthest away you've flown
2: from home base? California, by wow. myself. Um, yeah.
1: How long does that take? In what in your plane?
2: Uh, fourteen, fifteen hours.
1: Refuel how many times?
2: Two or three. So I mean, it's not terrible. No, Um, you know it's just it's long. I did it by myself actually.
1: How far? How high are you flying?
2: It ranges depending on multitudes of things, cloud coverage. um, But average,
0: average cruising altitude, probably
2: fifty six hundred feet, if not a little higher. Okay, nice. You know, just just as I said, depending on what plane I'm flying, um, but also you know just what what I'm flying. Um, You know. Weather conditions, and there's a whole slew of things that you know, I have to take into account fuel, weather conditions, wind speed, um, barometric pressure. There's, I said, there's a whole slew of things to just to
1: oh, take yeah. into account. Yeah, no, I, I like driving. I'm fine with
2: that. You afraid of heights or?
0: No, no, I just, I don't know. He loves to view the countryside.
1: I do, and I would probably enjoy flying more smaller airplane. You don't realize individual. how much
2: of the change it is from commercial to private. It's, yeah. it's, Drastic Yeah You're in control You're not Number one you're, Your elephant's not In someone else's hands You're in control You make the decisions mm-hmm. and So you know Obviously there's a little More turbulence up there Because you are In a smaller craft um, But you know it, it is I personally like it A lot more
1: Yeah um, No I think that's The difference for me I'm not a big fan Of the cattle call Getting on And dealing with all that And anyhow
0: Yeah So Let's look to the future A little bit Where do you see yourself In 10 years
2: weapons manufacturing
1: for the government or individual private
2: and yes um you know I, it's not for one specific government you know ideally it's aerial weapons manufacturing so anything from like surface ground missiles to you know unmanned um planes to unmanned you know UAVs um you know essentially automating and putting a robot in a pilot seat is what i want to do
1: interesting do you think it'll ever get to the point where the human element won't be needed?
2: There will always be human input. Um, you know, making that the hardest part I've found is like, whenever you get into like the military side of things, it's the pilot that makes the mistake and not the plane. And so taking that pilot out of that situation, number one, his life's no longer at risk. Number two, you know, if he, you know, the missile guidance system is so advanced, it's something that either if he didn't pull the trigger, it didn't go. You know, if you did pull the trigger, something, you know, maybe was wrong. But taking that pilot error out of it is what makes a difference. And so, you know, fixing that pilot error, not only for military, but also for commercial applications. So, you know, automating the commercial flight route. You know, that's what I want to do. There's not a viable option yet. There probably won't be for another 50, 60 years. But someone needs to start working on it. And someone needs to make it accurate and where it can be done Repeatedly without error or flaw. And that's what I want want to do.
1: So tough question then. So you're American? Correct. Citizen? Born? Yes. In the country? Yes. But you say for any government, for instance, would that be like highest bidder? Like you're going to get into that like if...
2: That's where ethics comes into play. (laughs) Correct. Um, You know, obviously, you know, I I, I have to take personal side. So like I I do a lot uh, with hemp farmers. Um, okay. You know, I disagree with the whole the whole aspect of, you know, either smoking it, using it, CBD oil, hemp, THC. Medical, I, I doesn't, with that. any it of doesn't it. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, it's sort of something, you know, I'm still trying to do with, you know, just internally, you know, God put marijuana on earth for a reason. Um, you know, was it meant to be medically ingested? No. Um, you know, does the it, does Bible it define what reason? No but it's just finding where that comes into play is that that's where I mentally struggle with things.
1: Sure. And until trying to figure that out, then there's a capitalistic margin there that can be made. So yeah.
2: that's where, you know, it, you know, taking that to, you know, some of the things that, you know, if ISIS wants to pay me, you know, $700 billion to go develop a system for them, you know, that's where, you know, I probably wouldn't do it. Cause that's where does, that's where ethics comes into play. You know, if it's something, you know, a lesser scale call it hemp, for example, Um, You know, I'm working on stuff right now with a company called Corning Imaging out of Willington. Um, You know, there's some stuff there that, you know, they're working on the, they're working on controlling it more, um, you know, by, you know, finding those THC levels by drone um, and being able to, like, accurately display those on a screen where a hemp farmer can go say, hey, look, you know, we got a couple plants out there that their THC levels are too high to be even continue to grow Um, because, excuse me. Um, at that point, those are no longer considered a hemp plant; those are considered marijuana plant, um, and that's where those
1: those problems sure. come in. Interesting. So you can use drone technology to try and figure some of that out as Absolutely. well. So that's the yeah, I get that smaller scale. Again, I'm just I'm seeing these sprawling, like you say, wheat and corn fields just across America, and, and I don't go longer
2: to the point of wheat and corn fields, um, just due to some U.S. law, um, you know, just the size restrictions of drones and you know the capacity for them to be unmanned. Um, you know, you can go have a unmanned sprayer tractor out there. Um, you will never be able to have more than about three unmanned drones out of, out of one person's control. So let's talk licensing then.
1: Um, Jim, do you have a drone license?
2: I do not right now,
0: but I'm planning on getting it this summer through the, the college is going to, um, have a, education um seminar, I guess here where you can go through it and get your license and I'm planning on doing that.
1: It's a dumb question here.
0: For, I'm I'm for our host. I'm I'm just right on Nick's heels. I'm right behind him with all this stuff.
1: What like on what spectrum are we talking about?
0: Every single one.
1: Because I don't even know if you're you're sniffing his dust much <laughs> less
0: seeing his heels. I'm um, not I was being facetious there for sure. But uh
1: So like okay you said, you, you know, you got to have a certification, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're at Best Buy, and, you know, DJI or whoever's got four different models sitting there.
2: So you can go buy any drone you want. That doesn't mean you can legally fly it. For 99% of the drones you can go buy at Best Buy, you can fly them all day long. Matter of fact, 100%. Every single drone they sell, it's getting into the specialty. It's either overweight, it flies too fast, um, you know, it goes farther than what you can. So there's a see. set
1: of parameters of flying a Absolutely. drone that make you go to that level. To you need to be certified. Absolutely. So yeah. any of these little whatever I call them mom and pop so drones, like you can go buy and fly.
2: You take any sort of payment, whether it be transacting a service or you know you do something in exchange for something else for dr- any sort of drone work. That's when you need a license.
1: So you, selling Real Absolutely. estate photos, for instance, need needed to be
2: licensed at that Absolutely. point in time. E- even if I did those photos in exchange for a commission for a realtor, still need a license.
0: Correct. Okay. And the weight of the drone um, has some bearing on the on the different regulations Absolutely. as well. So Go through that for if us. If it's
2: over fifty five pounds, it needs to be. You need to have a special accreditation by the FAA. Um, you know, if it's under, I believe it's two hundred fifty grams, it doesn't need to be registered with the FAA at all. Um, you know, I, I, those numbers. And why real.
0: is mine like two fifty nine?
2: They do that on purpose? That's it's why the some, some of them do make it 248 grams or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's the mini that I have. Yep. It, and that's why it's like that is because it's under that threshold. So right? you don't
2: need to register it. Yep. That's, that's the whole design of the drone. Oh, that's what I got then.
1: Yeah. I got the same one. I don't know what the number is, but it's, it's definitely like a .99 right. <laughs> instead yeah. of like a rounded so, number. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: I wonder what I could have got for that extra gram. And then sometimes you put a different battery pack in them and they go over the weight, and then it it nullifies that too.
2: Well, not quite. So that weight is takeoff ready. So that's battery, gimbal, any sort of extraneous strap-on thing you need to add on there, that needs to be included in that weight. Yep. Legally speaking.
1: So if it comes in the combo or the bundle pack and it attaches, you're probably okay then. Correct. So you're probably weighing less right now without any attachments on it is what I'm getting at. Yeah,
0: I mean, I was looking into getting extra batteries for it. And there were different types of batteries, and it said the the longer life batteries. Um it said in the fine print, this puts it over the two hundred and forty-nine uh, gram yeah, weight. I so gotcha. it's no longer classified as ultralight or, or or whatever. So um where did you learn all that information?
2: Studying for a pilot's license.
1: Similar paths with drone or no? Just different certifications altogether? Different
2: certifications, different requirements to like for knowledge base um all faa based correct so you know there's a lot of stuff you know for your pilot's license you're gonna see that there there is a lot of you know you're talking you get into like the angles of attack and stuff like that which in a drone you never use unless you're flying a fixed wing um you know for a quadcopter you'll never see an angle of attack you'll never see um you know center gravity does have some input but like you never start to see you know stall angles and stuff like that it doesn't happen with fixed wing or for multi rotor um, drones. Um, you know, getting into fixed wing stuff—that's a different story. But if you're going to get into fixed wing, you're going to be spending thousands, tens upon thousands of dollars.
1: How many hours you got in an
2: airplane? I'd have to look at my logbooks. Probably north of nine hundred eighty something. Okay. Um. So a long while.
0: That's amazing. When you first met with Mr. Kelly over there at Country Club in North Carolina. Um, have you ever called him outlaw?
2: He told me to call him outlaw.
1: He told you to call him that.
2: Yeah, have you seen his office? Oh, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. There's yeah, a little yeah. poster on there that says outlaw.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just making sure. I did, that's awesome. Outlaw. So you, you went and saw him, and he kind of was instrumental in getting you started. and
2: um, So he shared with me uh, some courses to approach um, you know, that they would either have an interest in it or they could get me in touch with other people. Um, and that's sort of, you know, that's where that comes in is, you know, just making those connections and growing what I do um, to become, um, you know, hopefully what I will become, uh, become what I already have become.
1: So what do so you um, offer in a golf course other than soil sensors and some 7D mapping?
2: I Sorry, I, uh, it's layman's terms. That's no all that. um, So I can do multi- I can essentially do anything they want drones um you know whether it be for promotional videos um you know to the mapping out the irrigation system um you know that can all be done seamlessly which is the cool part using drones
1: you're not the guy who flew that video at the players club for sawgrass yeah you um, didn't you I, so
2: I, I have those capabilities i do i have drones that go faster than that i mean i i i don't and that's
1: I, like a that's like a pre-planned route was oh, absolutely. it not absolutely. like that, that kid wasn't there going through no, those windows doing all that with his no, thumbs th- that,
2: that was planned the guy was practicing on simulators um, you know that was planned probably about a month and a half, two months in advance. So, and like Tuesday.
1: everybody that walked by, it was all timed out for that oh, two absolutely. minutes. But it was like, okay, he's going to be coming by at one thirty-one.
2: Oh, absolutely. Okay,
1: that's awesome. It's like a, almost an entire movie production. Oh yeah. So you, so that's what you're going to have here for HGTC. Like he's going to come in that window, he's going to go out that window <laughs> and see all the kids sitting there with their with their um, we soil uh, microscopes out. We
0: haven't negotiated those terms yet, have we, Nick? Not yet. No. So what I wanted to ask you... These podcasts ain't free, Jimbo. (laughs) They're they're not. They're not. Okay. All right. Go ahead. What have you learned um, about yourself, your business, and golf course superintendents in general since you first met with with Mr. Kelly and to where you are now? Because I know you've you've made a lot of rounds around the Carolinas, right? All around the U.S., quite honestly. Yeah, but, you know, visiting um, superintendents, and what have you learned? A lot, to
2: say the least. Um, You know, superintendents have... You know, they're down-to-earth people, straightforward. They won't lie to you. You know, if they're not interested in what I do, they'll tell me to buzz off. You know, if they are, they'll they'll want to proceed further with stuff. And, you know, just, you know, not not only are they learning business skills, basic business, but, you know, just taking that step further into, you know, I have learned essentially how to run my own business from, you know, the financial side, but also, you know, relationship side and, you know, customer service. And that's just where, you know, hopefully, you know, things can be, you know, that will set me apart. Um, in the future
0: do you have any employees yet
2: i have a secretary okay um you know real estate side of things i have photographers and stuff like that um but you know it's something that you know will be changing probably next three weeks um i will be taking on a couple salesmen
1: that's awesome and you're based out of charlotte are we allowed to say that yeah okay just making sure
2: it's not my home address but yeah yeah, no, I,
1: I'm good with that, man. Something tells me you got the defense system set up anyways. Like, if I fly my drone over your house, I might not ever see it again, so... You'll see it just be in pieces. Yeah, no, I don't I don't need that. I don't need that. No, I'm still... We. I had my son, we were flying it last night, and he's trying to get this shot of the front of the house, and I'm like, man, that's great, dude, but I'm like, you got to pull up. You're right over our neighbor's house right now. So, anyhow... I was flying, was I saw
2: someone skinny dip one time, so that's not all too terrible.
1: Were you recording?
2: Unfortunately... Legally, no. Okay, <laughs> um, good answer.
1: Good answer. He about said, unfortunately, yes, but he didn't. Um, all right, so is college in your future?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be going down to Emory Road for a college for unmanned aviation, along with some mechanical engineering stuff. Um, you know, for right now, for the next two, three years, I want to be focusing on golf courses in the drone world, um, you know, combining, you know, the, the ground truth to the sky truth. Um, you know, that th- that's where I think the. Most potential for me is for right now, um, you know, down the road that might change as technology evolves and as more people get into the industry. Um, but, you know, for right now, I think this is where I fit in perfectly.
1: Are, are you looking to hire 14 year old? Eighth and ninth grade <laughs> boys with limited drone knowledge. No. Damn it. They're one our kids, Jim.
2: You I tried, to I did. I well tried.
0: What, what I have, JJ's age was close, right? Yeah, you just turned fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yep. perfect. Okay. Yep.
1: All right. Um, what haven't we asked you that you would like a golf course superintendent to know?
2: That would take a minute for me to think about.
0: Okay, you can come back to it. Okay. All right. Um, where can people find you?
2: So, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, www.basTurf.us. Um, you can reach out to me. Call me at 704-388-1493. Shoot me an email at nick at us. Um, you know, feel free to reach out if you have absolutely any questions. Twitter handle? Uh, Baylock Nick. B-A-L-O-K.
0: It's not Blaylock?
2: Nope, it's Baylock.
0: <laughs> that might stick, Jim. Baylock Got it. Yeah. One thing I'll say about my experience with uh, Nick is he's a very good communicator. Always gets back right away, and um, I appreciate that about you.
2: I stay up every about every night till about two a.m., um, work on various projects, doing whatever I can, you know, just to get stuff ready. Um, you know, so here I have a question.
1: So you'd be driving back home to Charlotte tonight, or you got some uh, no, business got, down here?
2: I got I got to go to Pinehurst actually tonight, um, so I'm running up there, and then uh, next week could be back down here, um, nice. and then you know I got to go out to uh, Aiken, South Carolina, uh, Cashiers, North Carolina, um, Farmington, Virginia. I travel all over weekly.
1: Good for you, man. Is it all golf related still at this point?
2: Uh. Mostly, that's all I'll say about that. Um, for right now, um, you know I got some stuff on the works with construction. You know I came down from uh, a construction site actually um, this morning.
1: Now, question about the metal detection: mm-hmm. are those drone metal detectors that are flying that are detecting that whatever of gold or is that like a handheld thing the, on the that's ground? It's all handheld. Okay, so is there going to be ground penetrating radar or some sort of uh, revelation in the near future is Ground penetrating radar well no, hold on let me finish that can detect just gold like can you help me with the new gold rush can i get in on this early
2: that would be hard to do but yes as, as long as there's the financial budget to develop that yes
1: so when you sell your first rocket system i just need you to focus on that and i'll help you and we'll go paying for gold so we'll get right on that yeah get right on that you hear that the just level of respect in 38 minutes is not where i need it jim
0: just remember, Tim, and I when you're really famous, all right, Nick?
2: I don't think I'll be that famous, but I will always remember you.
0: Is this
1: your first podcast? Yes. Never forget that. I never will. That's all I'll say. Look what happened to Matthew Wharton. Matthew Wharton, first podcast he was ever on, our first guest. He's been on 73 cents. He writes magazine articles now. He's in a whole new state. Probably won't even listen to this. He's so big time.
2: No we'll comment, Jim?
1: We'll find out. We will. I'm sure I'll get a text if he is listening. Yes. Just know it's out of love, Matthew. And stop tweeting about Ben and his former irrigation issues. That's not very polite. Anyhow. Back to Nick. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up?
2: Not that I can think of. I think we've covered most everything that I do.
1: Can we count on you to get another booth this year?
2: Absolutely. So I will be uh, Carolina Trade Show. I'll be at the National One in Phoenix. Um, You know, I'll be... Essentially, I'm at most trade shows. You know, I go to the PGA show um, as well. Um, You know, that's not really directed for superintendents, but some do come. Um, You know.
1: Can you do dumbed down, like, layperson level drone training? Absolutely. Like, if I just got it out of the box and I'm like, man, can you help me so I can not look all blocky? Absolutely. I think that's where all of our folks struggle. Like, they're easy to use, in my humble opinion, like getting it up in the air but it's when but that, you want the, the quality part. of L- the looking photography.
2: Those good angles, that, that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and being able to maneuver it.
2: Yeah, like I think they, they got some things in there where it, they avoid. With a avoid. bigger drone, it will become easier. Okay. And it, you know, I, I know it sounds counterintuitive. The more money you spend, the easier it becomes. No, I get that. Um you know, I mean, there's just there's so many different technologies. You Got to have to use it properly. Don't. So it's it.
1: not adding necessarily more and more levels of technology. You know, so it's, add, more it's more. adding
2: technology, but it's also adding physical components
1: to make it user friendly. Correct. Correct. So Easier. instead of that
2: two-axis gimbal, you get a three-axis gimbal. Um, you know, there's different, you know, there's different softwares in there. There's different features. You know, um, you know, obstacle avoidance is one of them. Um, you know, on one of my drones, I got 360 degree coverage. The thing cost twenty thousand dollars. And That's just one of the cheap ones for me, fortunately. Um, you know, I got stuff, you know, that I got stuff that can fly 30 miles away from me remotely. Um, how
0: long?
1: Like, so now we're talking battery life, a whole new conversation, but I mean, 30 miles, I mean, gosh, I don't know how how fast it's flying, but like how fast 60
2: miles a minute or 60 miles an hour. Um, and so, you know, I can fly for about an hour and a half at the constant rate. So
1: that one's okay. So that one's getting you up to 90 minutes. Correct.
2: Uh, Anywhere from 90 minutes. Some of them have drain out of batteries. Um, you know that some of them have solar panels on them, whatever yeah um, you know I got one that can stay up in there for about four or five hours, um, and it's it's all it's just a me- mega glider is the easiest way to put it.
1: Okay interesting I, it's, there's so many other questions that come le- from that. Le-
2: legally speaking, I only have drones that I can see in the line of sight i've never Correct. I've never tested any of these out. That's just what the have website says.
0: Duly noted, line of
1: sight. What okay so what's what's the maximum height? Um, what is it? A thousand feet or something?
2: Four hundred feet, legally speaking.
1: What? How many? What? How many meters is that?
2: One hundred and twenty-ish. About yeah, about one hundred twenty. Oh, so
1: it's what that DJI set to one twenty yes. when yep. it does its return yes. to home thing. Yes. Like that's it. That's as high as you're going. Correct. Like you can't go any higher so than that with that it, thing.
2: This is where that. This is where the gray air comes in. If you're on top Burr. of the Empire State Building and you launch a drone you can go 400 feet from your current altitude, from the current controller's altitude. So Even though the, the box
1: t- says you need to have it on the ground, though, so you're not on the ground on the top of the Empire State. I'm just kidding. Go ahead.
2: If, you know, if, if you're taking, you know, you know you're 1,200 feet up on the Empire State building, you take off, you can get to, you can get to 1,600 feet, yeah. um, and it's all fine. Okay.
1: But you As need, long as you, you, you're going to land but there. But you need
2: to stay within 400 feet. Radius of the building as well, so there you know there's a bunch of different stipulations about that. Um,
1: Are there a lot of drones flying around big cities?
2: Yes and no. Um, you know, big cities tend to have movies and you know productions and everything in them, so you know they have to submit an application in order to be able to fly them. Um, you know, New York, for example, you know because of their the way that the planes come into land at JFK, they have um, you know essentially a large part of New York City is in a fly zone you know, get into, you know, call it a... Uh,
1: so, like, I couldn't whip one of these things out on 2nd Avenue and just take it up and just try and not, get... Probably
2: not, no. I mean, certain areas you can. Um, you know, I think New York City actually has a no takeoff. It's something... They have something where it's hard to take off. You have to take off in specific spots, and it's... Interesting. It's all made up where it's entirely too hard... Um, gotcha. ...to even take off. But, you know, it, I, I, you know there, I know people that, you know, they fly at airports. You can get permission to do anything... It's just a matter of submitting the application and writing it in the right way to where the FAA will allow it. Sure. Makes sense. And if that. you have nine months to wait and everything as well, um, you know, you can essentially get anything done.
1: Is that typical application time to uh, do some of these it, things? It
2: depends on where you're flying and where you want to go and what you want to do. Um, you know, I can get instant, you uh, know, uh, I can get like instant uh, approval, you know, probably within 30 seconds, you know, for calling it flying out, like, you know, with about three miles away from Charlotte international airport. Okay. Um. You know, if I'm flying at JFK, that takes a little longer just because the approval process and there's a lot of stipulations and everything. Um. You know, if I went down to Miami or to uh, uh, West Palm Beach, um, where Trump's uh, houses, you know, I couldn't fly there just because that's a national restricted no-fly zone because of its presidential.
1: So what happens if you throw one up in the air?
2: All people come tracking down.
1: So there are things within that airspace that can find that. And then within, so, once they've found that, there's a device number, I'm assuming, that will then number. match yes. to your phone or whatever it's transmitting correct. to correct through IP so the, addresses the or whatever. So the FAA is coming
2: out with the remote ID compliance. So by, I think it's September, um, you will be required to have a remote, either a remote ID module attached to your drone whenever you take off, or it will be grounded, um, or a component built in that complies with the FAA. It's called RID, remote ID um,
1: so if you bought a drone before that date, you're gonna have to go buy this it, it, aftermarket thing and attach the date.
2: it. It's about these the physical components in there that will it, that are able to transmit the data. Um, you know the FAA has a whole list of them that are allowed on there that are compatible. Um, you know a lot of this firmware side, um, but you know it's something that you know it's not necessarily the date. It's more about the product itself.
1: So when you're using a drone and you're flying it, and let's say you're not doing anything with it, just flying it, and then you decide you want to start recording. Does that take more battery?
2: That's a great question. I don't think so. Because, I mean, in reality, the camera's still on. I mean, the camera's it's st- it's still... You're still getting that live feed. It's just a matter of, like, you're just capturing the live feed.
0: It does seem like when you record video that the battery life does shorten. I have heard that.
2: I, I've uh, never I, experienced that personally. I just you know, thought i um, You know, usually I, I tend to fly bigger rigs, so, you know, I haven't really... I've never really messed with a Mini 2 or whatever. Oh. Um, so, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I my batteries just last 30 minutes but I mean there's never really an opportunity where I'm not taking pictures or anything um obviously you know the payload varies in that you know I, that one of my big drones you know it can last an hour with, with its battery with current batteries with no payload I attach a payload that goes down to 45 minutes so it all depends on just you know what all is attached um, you know if you know the power input you know what all what functions you have turned on um, you know, strobe lights, there's lights attached, there's landing gear, ups, you know, there, there's a whole lot of stuff. Um, you, you ever done
1: any racing? drone racing? No. Any desire to do it? No. So, for drone size for you, bigger, better, smaller, better? Depends on the function?
2: It depends on the function. So, you know, uh, drone racing, I, I do have some that you know, will go north of 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, I'll use those for golf course, you know, for, uh, like, productions and everything. Um, you know, for the drone stuff that I usually do, that's more, you know, that, that's the big stuff. Um, that, that's the big, you know, four, six, ten foot wingspan stuff. Um,
1: and better cameras one. with those?
2: Uh, I can attach different cameras to them so yeah. that I, I can take one camera out, put a new one in.
1: Gotcha. What's the highest quality camera right now that you got?
2: Uh, that's gonna be a DJI P1, that's a 45 megapixel um, camera. Your phone's about 12 megapixel. Um, you know, I'm working with a company over in China. Um, that just developed a 102 megapixel camera. That's crazy. Um, you know, I can see a bug on your back half a mile away. I, after the picture is taken, I can zoom in that far. The thing's crazy. Except it's, you know, it's only 180 thousand um, dollars. You know, but it's it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, but for that skinny dipping moment, it's worth it. I mean, just I mean you, 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 you don't need that for catch. the skinny
2: dipping moment. You can <laughs> just uh, you know go fly it over and have some fun.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, a half mile away, you, you line of sight, you probably won't see my drone at a half a mile. That's interesting, Jim. What have I forgotten? Did I get too far down the rabbit hole? No,
0: I think we did well.
1: I think what kind of t v you watch
2: uh I don't really watch t v
1: you play games nope have you ever
2: video games no
0: do you have any hobbies
2: uh being on the lake, being in the air, um being out like being outside um you know flying, flying. Being
0: on the lake—that's boating or just boating, swimming. Yes. Boating. You like jet boating ski? as well? Oh yeah. oh yeah, jet ski.
2: Yeah, we have three GP eighteen hundreds.
0: Are you a licensed captain as well?
2: Not yet. Um, you know, that's something I will be working on. It's just a matter of time. You know, I just I I don't have a desire. I mean, I, I can still drive a boat. You know, I got my uh, NC wildlife card. Um, you know, for boater. Education, but you know I'm not a licensed captain. Right.
1: Does sonar seem basic to you, based on what you're doing?
2: Some of the stuff I can't read. Uh, I was out fishing with a, one of my friends, and he has a, like it's called a Garmin Livescope. It's like it's a, it's just like a, essentially an X-ray. Um, you know, he can see fish, whatever. I, I can't see it.
0: Interesting. So you like fishing?
2: I like fishing. That's a good hobby.
1: And you got all these different light spectrums, but you can see those.
2: Because, mm-hmm. because I can physically read those because I, I know what I'm looking for. Versus with fishing and that type. I mean, I I can tell you a fish if it's on like a, you know, sonar or whatever, you know, like looking into like that, like true X ray stuff. I just, I don't. It's, I can pick up some stuff, but not everything.
1: Interesting. Cool. Well, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I thought you were at the beach. I didn't realize you had to come from Charlotte. Here for other business, though, right? Not just the P dub. Nope. All right, Jim, are you going to carry us out?
0: I am. Does the, he deserve a little bit of that? He does, absolutely. We've
1: um, And do I get a little bit of this? No, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got a random song coming up here. My phone's just been playing. But, um, Nick, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Um, just uh, remember, folks, that you heard him here first. Does and this- encourage
1: your kids. That's all I tell you as a parent. Go encourage your kids. This is what can happen.
2: Get him outside instead of playing video games.
0: Amen. That's well said. And, Nick, thank you for coming down. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for pushing technology forward in the turf grass industry. Absolutely.
1: Just another leader in the Carolinas. Nothing wrong with being at home here.
0: Yep. All right, everybody have 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 a wonderful day.
1: Thank you all for listening to another episode of Pulling Weeds, a podcast of the Carolina's Golf Course Superintendents Association. Stay tuned as we will have another episode out soon. For further information on the Carolinas GCSA, please visit our website at www.CarolinasGCSA.org or call our office at 864-843-1150.